Welcome, everybody, to the Mongols Premier League show. I am Mike. With me, as always, is Kev and Josh. Gentlemen, how was your weekend? Kevin just gave a snap and a point. <laughs> uh, it was the first week back after vacation, so, you know. Crappy. Eh. Eh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do we, are you one of those people, I'm, every time I go on vacation, I, when I get back, I feel like I need another vacation to recover from the vacation. Is that the case? Especially when it's a family vacation. Like, if it was just, like, a vacation with me and my wife, and, like, we just went somewhere together, that'd be different. But when it's, like, a family vacation, it's a production, there's, like, <laughs> there's itineraries, there's, you know, like, multiple cars getting to one place. Like, it just, it's kind of stressful yeah. a little bit. Yeah. I know it's Disney, it's fun, but it's still, like, okay, we, we got to plan this stuff out. Uh, so, yeah, after a family vacation, you definitely feel like you need a, a, an actual vacation. <laughs> well, Josh, I can't offer you a vacation, but uh, what I can offer you is coming up on the show, Mr. Willie Hunt is going to stop by and talk to us, which is going to be a lot of fun. That was nice. That was nice. Yeah. Man. That's just for you, Josh. I knew <laughs> I knew, it was a, I knew you were coming back from vacation. I Thanks. said, what can we do to brighten Josh's day? Let's get the Riverhounds MVP on the show. So, uh, so let's get into it. We got a number of games here that we're going to talk about. The first one, we can't ignore. I mean, everybody's talking about the fact that Bob Bradley gets his first match as a premier league manager arsenal versus swansea and honestly you know you look at sort of the situation going up against arsene wenger who has 20 years in the premier league there was a piece that um one of the men in blazers did uh it was actually airing right before um the liverpool game that was on uh on monday and uh basically going into details about arsene's 20 years and all of this and um, so it's, it's, it's a nice juxtaposition to Bob Bradley getting a start. I thought it was ironic that, you know, going into his first Premier League game, one of my first thoughts, aside from the team and all of that, is you look across the league and it's, what do you wear? And you look over and Arson has the nice suit. <laughs> Bob Bradley decides to ask, what would Steve Jobs do? And busts out the long sleeve turtleneck He looked amazing. I loved it. <laughs> I seriously loved amazing. it. I was, I was like, yes, like rep in America. I'm very proud. I was very proud to see that man on the touchline and, and looking like that. It was sweet. I, see, I almost feel like that's, I, I feel like that's the equivalent of like showing up to a wedding in a tank top. Like, like that's like the no. most American rednecky thing you could do is like, <laughs> no, not yeah, wear. I, okay. I disagree. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, let's let's put it this way. If you were a manager, what route would you go? And you're if you're setting the tone, are you a Pep Arsene Wenger kind of guy where you're going to wear the suit with the sweater, or are you more of a um, Klopp or a Pochettino kind of guy where you're wearing like you know the team jacket with your initials on it? Which way do you go, Kev? Which way do you go in this? Well, I mean, with the team tracksuit, you don't have to pay for the suit. So, I mean, that's a plus. But at the same time, I don't know. I feel like... You're a Premier League manager. I don't think you're worrying about money too much. Well, though. you know, you got to gotta save that save that cash up for when you get fired in a couple months for losing against, you know, Crystal Palace or something. Um, no, I don't know. I, like, I admire Pep's style. But, like, it's, he can pull it off because he's Pep Guardiola. Like, I wouldn't be able to pull that off. So, <laughs> like, knowing me, like, it, it's tracksuit, clop, kind of hat, glasses kind of thing. That's that that that's what I would do. I'm not proud of it, but that's Josh. what I would do. <laughs> I'm not proud of it. That's what I would do. I would go for the, the, the Jim Trestle. I don't know if you guys watch uh, college 
football at all. Uh, Ohio State, Jim Trestle, uh, a sweater vest, uh, V-neck sweater vest with a uh, long sleeve shirt underneath of it. It yeah, works. Something classy. I like just, that. You yeah. you wouldn't do the uh, the Bill Belichick the uh, hoodie with the cut off sleeves That's where you just sweet, scowl yeah. the whole time. <laughs> <I like> that. <laughs> no, that, I'm I'm not that American. I can't do that. <laughs> can't pull that off. Yeah, I'd have to say I'm probably a tracksuit guy as well. I'm I'm more of a uh, 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 man of the man of the team rather than like you know above it all by sporting the suit. So I, I get that. A tracksuit implies I'm going to be running, and I'm not going to be running. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm just not going to pretend. I'm not going to wear the tracksuit. I'm probably going to be the one sitting on the bench and just like looking at the game like, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) So Bob, Bob Bradley did not do much sitting. Um, You know, it definitely wasn't the best opponent for them for his first game. You know, basically they're taking on Arsenal at the Emirates, which Arsenal just won five straight. Um, But uh, to his credit, Swansea came away with a 3-2 loss. You know, I say to his credit, they got a loss. I think a lot of people were expecting them to get blown out. So to only lose by one goal isn't that big of a deal. But with that said, um, you know, one of my takeaways was that Swansea did not look like a good team. Like, I I thought they were pretty lucky to come out of this game with with two goals. And the scoreline makes it sound like it, it was a lot closer than what it really was. What do you guys think? I disagree a little bit. Just be well. Okay, I don't disagree with the fact that it, it the scoreline does make it look a lot better than it was. But I, I, we've talked about this before, actually, on the Hound Show. A new coach just comes in. He has not been there very long. Not even you know a week. It was like two weeks. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And he's this isn't his team yet. You know what I mean? Like he, I'm going to give him the same you know three game <laughs> grace period as far as shaping the team and kind of get his vision in there. Uh, that I did with the Hounds. So I, these first couple games, yeah, it's it's hard to judge the manager off of these games. Well, I think I think that not that his spirit was sort of transposed onto the field and the way that they battled back. I mean, they were down two nothing. They came back two one. They went down three one. They came back three two. So I thought the fight was there. I just think from the way that they were playing, and I think we've watched one or two other Swansea games, and. I, from where they were at the beginning of the season, I wasn't expecting dramatic changes in this first game. I just think mm-hmm. as a collective unit, they man for man, they do not have the talent that someone like an Arsenal has. And I don't expect them to. They don't have the, the pay grade that someone like an Arsenal has. But um, there were just a number of times where passes were going to nobody or they were going out of bounds. Or, you know, it seemed like there were a number of times where Swansea would make sort of the first pass. And the first pass was good. But once they made the first pass it felt almost like backyard ball and like a bunch of guys that never play together where you sort of have guys just sort of running up the field and saying like, Hey, now I'm kind of open, I guess. I don't know. Like there was no cohesive, like, okay, now we're going to run it up the side. Now we're going to go up the middle and there was no real flow for them. So yeah. I can see that. Yeah. I, Kev, did you have any thoughts on this? Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's going to take like, you know, echoing Josh's point. It, it will take some time, I think to steer the ship back on course. I, it, it, it we, I think I talked about it a bit before. It's weird because for so long, Swansea did have an identity which everyone can kind of get around. They, you know, they they came up in the into the top flight of English uh, of English football, playing football right the right way, keeping it on the ground, passing around, passing move, all this other stuff. And it seems like that kind that identity was kind of lost over the past year. And so, 
it's gonna take some time, I think, maybe to get back to that style. Um, and it's weird because I think they do have the players to do it. Um, you know, I think Jack Cork is actually a really good player in the midfield. Uh, Sigurdsson is obviously their star man. Uh, Fur, right? Le- is it Leroy Fur? He looks like he looks Leroy a good Fur. player. Um, so. I think the pieces are in place. I think right now the biggest thing is to kind of make sure everything off the field gets kind of stabilized and everyone starts falling behind this one united kind of banner of Swansea. And once that once that kind of I, I it I'm making it sound like it's you know choppy waters. I don't I don't think it is, but it, I don't think it's that bad. But I, I you know I think a lot of people were tipping Swansea to go down this year, and so. In Arsenal, let's let's not forget one of the best defensive sides in the league right now. So it's it's easy to understand that if they're not knocking the ball too, not knocking the ball around too easily, then we shouldn't be surprised by that. But yeah, I, I think I don't know. I, I think I think if Bradley keeps them up this season, that'll be a good result for them. You had mentioned you know some of the players. I thought somebody else that looked really good was Barrow, who went out with an injury in the 70th minute. Jaka took him down from behind, got a straight red for straight it. Straight red. Straight yep. red. After that point, um, Swansea started to take over the game a little bit, and I put in my notes, you know, maybe that's the secret, is Swansea just has to play against 10 men. Um, <laughs> it was a shame that Barrow went out with an injury because I really thought had he been in for the rest of that game, Swansea might have actually had a chance to draw it. Um, even though Arsenal was sort of dominating, he was the one that was providing the spark for them. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, to your point, Kev, I think that they do have the pieces. When we sort of look at some of the other teams, you know, near the bottom of the table, the Sunderlands, the Middlesbrough, the Hulls, I think Swansea have the pieces in place to stay out of the relegation zone. They're right now in 19th after the loss on only four points for the season. But, you know, with Bradley there, we'll see what will happen in terms of whether or not he could turn it around. I do think that. You know, they have the likes to beat, like I said, Hull, Middlesbrough, Sunderland, West Ham, Burnley, um, which we'll talk about Burnley uh, here uh, uh, towards the end of the show. I I mean, I um, think they have the the ingredients to beat big teams, too, especially at Swansea. I mean, we've we've kind of seen them spoil parties in the past, so I think they can absolutely do it. It's just, yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe this, you know, talking about Willie being on the show, um, you know, talking kind of bringing a metaphor in from from the house on a metaphor but it, it's tough when you get into a run of bad games and you know momentum's not there it's it's kind of a positive feedback loop, loop. it's like how do you get out of that you know and it's it's a really tough thing and so i think that yeah that's you know mission number one for swansea is to somehow get out of this and i i think if they can then yeah they could they could become a pretty strong mid-table team he doesn't seem like a cuddly manager. Like I, I don't think you're gonna get any love from Bradley. He looks like the kind of guy who just like stares you down. And you're like, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> he sends he messages. To he you. always looks yeah. angry. Yeah. He's got that one vein that's just busting out of his forehead all the time. Yeah. So okay, then let's let's put it this way. This was a loss for Swansea, but in your opinion, considering they went in Emirates, considering that they still got two goals, is this a win for Bradley for his first game? Josh, what do you think? I, I mean, I really think it's hard to have this reflect on Bradley at all, um, just because of the fact that it is so early. It's the first game, and he hasn't had time to really imprint anything onto this team. Uh, he made, you know, the right choices, I feel like, during the substitutions and that kind of stuff. I, I never feel like he did anything egregious. Um, but it, it, I don't know if you can really put too much on Bradley for this game. Kev? Yeah, I mean, it's it's certainly not a win for him. Um, I, I, you guys both mentioned before how maybe the result makes it 
look a little better than it was. And I, I think it could have very easily been 3-0. Um, you know, Swansea's goals kind of came off of odd goals. And so even though the result says they only lost by a goal away at the Emirates to an Arsenal side who are in good form, I think the performance isn't one where, you know, you can kind of hang your hat on. And I completely, I'm, I'm, I'm behind you, Josh, with the whole, well, what do you expect? He's had two weeks with the team. Um, so... I'm not judging harshly based off of that, but kind of taking the new manager out of the context and just looking at this objectively as performance, you know, it it, it probably wasn't, it it wasn't necessarily a step in the right direction for Swansea. It it maybe wasn't a step backwards, but it it certainly wasn't a step forwards. I mean, to your point, you know, Theo Walcott could have had three or four goals other than just two. So it very easily could have gone the other way. If you were a Swansea fan, do you think that, that at least the fact that it wasn't a 6-0 loss, do you think that that at least quells the storm that's brewing there at least a little bit? Because there was a lot of stuff in the news about how, you know, Swansea fans own, I think, 21% of the team, and they were rather upset that they were not given a say as to whether or not who the new manager was going to be. The the American owners of Swansea just said, nope, it's going to be Bradley. Do you think that, you know, this, this causes them to put down their pitchforks for one more week? Or do you think that, based on the performance, you're still somewhat upset. I don't think you're upset by this. I, 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 I mean, I don't think it does one way or the other as far as quell their worries, uh, their fears. It, it still kind of feels like to them, I think, that American owners hired an American coach. Um, and it might have been also a, a business deal more than a tactical reasoning. Like, hey, we can get more American fans by having American coach in there before we have more dollars coming into the club because of merchandising sales, that kind of stuff. So th- that's their worry. And I I do think that's a you know legit worry. But we've seen Bradley. We know what he's like. It's going to be hard for them to feel like he is just a personality there to sell you know kits he's not he's he's not that type of manager he's more of a you know just get down and dirty and do what needs to be done to get the win scrape by as well as you can so i i I do think he will eventually win them over but first first game eh, i don't know if anyone's really changed their opinion about him yet yeah i guess it's one of those things that you know being the first american in the premier league it 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 a was never going to be easy but b not only do you need to win over the ownership you then need to convince the team that the ownership made the right decision so you know regardless of how the first game how the first few games play out which you know next up they get Watford and then Stoke to round out October so at least they're not you know playing the Cities or the Evertons that comes later you know basically but, once they hit November it's Man U and Everton but yeah, yeah, I mean, th- that's a good thing and a bad thing, though, because then there's no excuse. You know, at least with this one, you can be like, listen, you know, it's Chelsea. What do you expect? Blah, blah, blah. But if they're playing Wofford, you know, it's like you lose, you lost because of you, not because you're playing one of the better teams in the league. Yeah, that's true. So I guess, uh, you know, best wishes to Bob Bradley. We'll see how this all plays out. You know, this was probably the most watched Swansea game, at least in America, ever. Um, <laughs> right. And, uh, it was the highest scoring out of uh, you know any of these other games that we're going to talk about. But um, yeah, good luck to Bob Bradley. As I mentioned, Swansea get get Watford and Stoke, and then after that they get Manu and Everton. So yeah, a little bit easier, and then it gets hard really quick for them. So we'll keep a close eye on uh, on things over there. See how it goes. Arsenal actually after this win move into a tie for first place with 19 points. They get Middlesbrough next week. Bruh. So uh, so hopefully you know we'll see Arsenal keep that train rolling and uh, keep the top of the table interesting. 
Uh, let's move on. So City versus Everton. <laughs> Everton get a draw. <laughs> what? You mean a win? It what? felt like a win. <laughs> it felt like a big win to me. I was, I, you know, I was gonna start texting you, and I was like, let him celebrate. Let him have this moment <laughs> and enjoy it. Josh, talk us through your emotions during this game. Uh, it was, you know, buckle up, just hold on for your life type of game. The whole time you felt like this was Everton, you know, they were going to lose this. It, it was not a pleasant game as far as cholesterol levels or anything like that. It, it felt <laughs> like it, it, it was rough. But, or yeah, it's Ludenberg just killed it. Like, he had two penalty saves. He had multiple saves that were great. It just he kept Everton in this game, and it it was very interesting. And I, I let's I don't know I don't want to go too fast on this, but okay, it's a two PK saves first. Savor it, enjoy yeah. it. Yes, yeah. You know, two. Uh, everyone's been raving about Stecklenburg. I thought he had a great game. Um, City. I don't want to say they made it easy on him, but the two penalties that he saved were essentially the exact same shot. Kevin De Bruyne lined up and basically just put it right over his left shoulder, and he sort of fell and blocked. He guessed right. He got it right. And then Aguero lined up later and took the exact same shot in the exact same position. Regardless, he still made the save. It was just interesting that, you know, you have two different City players that are trying the exact same thing when it didn't work the first time. I mean, but it's also a mind game. Like, I, I feel like mm-hmm. with penalties, it's it's 70 or 80% mind game. It, oh, yeah. It's not even how well you take the kick. It was just getting them to guess wrong. Uh, and and going to the same spot twice, I don't think is necessarily a bad tactic because that's something that usually, as a goalie, you don't expect to happen, especially with two different kickers there. Um, but I do think it was interesting, even though the kicks weren't the hardest kicks and the most clean, I I was really surprised how long he stayed on his line and didn't choose a side. And he even said that in the interview afterwards. Like One of the things that he makes sure he does is y- you don't choose which side to go on until the very, very, very last moment. Um, which was impressive because uh, I think it was the first PK. A lot of stutter steps, a lot of pausing, and he just stood firm in the middle like, nope, I'm not choosing. <laughs> yeah. You're going to kick it first. Well, so. and there's there's that panic that goes through the, the kicker's mind where it's like, okay, I'm going to wait, I'm going to wait, I'm going to wait, and when the goalie doesn't move, you've got to shoot. Exactly. So, it's like he did. He wasn't able to take his key off of the goalie. He had to make his own decision first, and that I, that was a great tactic. And, yeah. you know, props to – Stecklenburg, Stecklenburg, he did it great. So Yeah. And I thought, in addition to Stecklenburg, I thought that, you know, besides the two PKs that Jagielka was at fault for, I thought both he and Williams did a really good job of keeping quality chances from heading towards the net in the first place. I mean, there was, outside of the two PKs, there was really, like, two, three, maybe, good chances that Stecklenburg had to save. You know, the big one was the KDB save towards the end where he ripped mm-hmm. it from 30 yards out. But otherwise, I thought Everton was pretty shut down on defense against a team that, you know, has been pretty just scoring at will. They got a plus 11 goal differential so far this season, um, which is the highest out of any team in the league. And so the fact that Everton was able to go, you know, into City and walk away with a 1-1 draw, kudos to them. I honestly, going into this game, I was like, you know, I feel like we have to talk about this game, but I feel bad for Josh because I don't think it's going to end well. I, I even said it when we decided this game. I was like, oh, <laughs> we're picking this game? Like, why have all the Everton games to pick? We're picking the one where we're probably not going to win. I had, you know, I think anyone with realistic expectations had low hopes for this game, uh, especially getting a point out of it. And 
one of the cool things slash kind of sad things about this game was the fact that Everton scored first, which was also yeah. a huge surprise. I did not see that coming. We're at the bar and all the Everton supporters just everyone's just shocked. Like the goal goes in and <laughs> from Lukaku and you're everyone's cheering, but we're all like, What's what's going on? We're winning <laughs> against City? I, well so. I I'm I'm extremely impressed by Lukaku. I mean it's it seems like yeah, I mean when the chips are down, he always has a goal within him. And and the way he scored his goal, it's it's amazing because like it doesn't look like he has a lot of pace, but he beats Clichy for pace. Like he just kind of takes yeah. it down the left side of him and and puts in a beautiful just finish right in the bottom corner. I mean, Clichy, it's, Clichy had no chance on that ball. Like he yeah. just blew right past him. He, he had it, no it, L- Lukaku really seemed like he has everything. He has he has the strength. He's not the fastest player in the pitch, but he has pace. I, I, for He's me, built like a linebacker. Yeah, like I yeah, don't expect really him to have a lot of pace. I, I, yeah. For me, I always like. It seems like the best players somehow can create just like they can just slow the game down for themselves, and it and it mm-hmm. looks like they just have so much more time on the ball and more space, and it's it, it looks like they're not doing anything, but they actually are. And Lukaku's definitely one of those players. See, I'm I'm really impressed by him. Well, in this game too, I mean, it seemed like the game plan from the get go was just don't let City score. So a lot of times Everton was sitting back with 10 men behind the ball, and it was either Lukaku or Belasi that are up there just trying to make runs and make something out of nothing. So Josh, yeah, it's, it's all point, about the counter. It was yeah, all about I, the counter, and that, that's what we expected because you kind of have to be that mentality to try to get a point out of City. So the, the fact that he gets that ball, makes that run, and at first I thought, it, didn't he have three defenders in front of him? Weren't there... Yeah. They were yeah, yeah, they were all sort of in line and then he blew past two yeah, of them with the ball. Yeah. Blows past them and gets that goal and I just thought I can't believe we're a goal up <laughs> against City. It was short lived, granted, but uh <laughs> it was still but here's the thing. When you go a goal up and then as an Everton fan you're watching this game, you're like, Could could we get three points? Is this possible? <laughs> and it's almost like it was too good to be true. So <laughs> I wasn't surprised when City came back and scored within, I think, what, 10 minutes of, or a couple of minutes of it, that? It was, it was four minutes. But yeah, yeah, four minutes yeah. of that. <laughs> yeah, you know, it was short-lived, but for those four minutes, we were beating City, and it felt great. <laughs> yeah, I and I think, you know, like I said, tons of credit to Everton. Um, I, not that this opened my eyes, but... Um, the way they played defensively really impressed me. I think this is going to change my outlook for Everton sort of for the rest of the season. Um, and I'm, I'm intrigued to see how things shake out for the re- I mean, the rest of the way out. And it wasn't even just, you know, Belasi, Lukaku, who we talked about. Um, I thought De La Feu had a pretty good game up until the point that he got subbed out. It was basically the three of them just trying to create offense out of nothing. Um, and they were all sort of doing their thing. So, yeah, from, from the city side, you know, Aguero didn't start. Um, they put him in late, and then he missed the PK. Um, you know, thanks for the negative two points in fantasy there, Aguero. Um, <laughs> the 13 million pounds, I believe. Yeah. Is that how much you paid for him? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I paid a lot. <laughs> anyway, um, but is the secret out for how to get points against City? I mean, this is now the last two games in league play. They lost to Spurs, and now they drew to Everton. Is it play shutdown defense? Hope you have a hot keeper in, you know, the case. I shouldn't say that in case of Everton because, like I said, their defense did well too. But play 10 men behind the ball and just counterattack them? I mean, do we think that's how teams can set up? Not every team can do that. 
But I don't think so. I, I honestly don't. I mean, the fact that they saved two PKs. I mean, this game could have easily been so much worse. I mean, it, it, I feel like Everton more got lucky than than anything. The fact that they didn't lose this game, especially with two PKs. I mean, you you can't expect a goalie to save two PKs. So it's just Herculean <laughs> effort. Well, and City gets uh, Southampton next, so I don't think Southampton have the the ability to do what a Spurs or an Everton did to them. But, Who knows? I mean, at the same time, what I mean, I th- Southampton, what they played Burnley this weekend. Um, I mean, so they let in a goal against Burnley, but uh, I mean, up to this point, they had like five games in a row where they didn't allow a goal. I mean, so Southampton have been fairly impressive defensively. I don't know. I mean, going back to like, is this the secret for uh, to, to beat City? I mean, look, City were gonna lose or tie games eventually and so i mean even i i loved how a couple weeks ago you know some journalist asked pep in a press conference saying like do you think you can win all four trophies this year and he literally just like put his head down and he was like are you kidding me he didn't say that <laughs> but like he, he he said some other words i can't say on this but but i mean so it's like he you know everyone's like oh there's they're the greatest team ever he's the greatest manager ever they're gonna win everything I mean, you know, they were going to slip up eventually. And so, you know, I, they're, I think they're still a very good team. I think they're still probably tipped to win the league. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, it's, you know, Everton just put in a very heartfelt performance um, and, and fought for each other, and that, that kind of showed in the result. Well, and City has depth like I haven't seen. I mean, they started Sané in this game, which I don't think he's played yet for them, or at least not started. And he was just a terror he's gonna be down nice. that right side <laughs> yeah. for them. Because um, he's so, only yeah. like no, 20 or something. I want to say he's like, you know, him yeah. and Sterling are like the youngest. Was Aguero yeah. like hurt? Is that why he didn't start? Like what? He picked up a I was knock. Very confused. He picked up a knock playing for Argentina, and there was a lot of talk of you know whether or not he would get the start. And basically, right up until game time, he was flagged as you know potentially having an injury, at least on fantasy. And then it went away. So I was like, oh, I'm safe to start him. He'll be fine. And then they ended up just putting him in later. So. I, I can tell you that the the bar got really silent when we saw him get up to the touchline. <laughs> like, like where is coming in? It's like, ah, oh, crap. <laughs> well, it was fun while it lasted. Exactly. It was just all like, oh, all right, well. <laughs> but no, it, it was surprising to see that he did not make as big of an impact as I thought he was going to make. Um, and I feel really good about this game, not just because we got the point, but because this is kind of like one of the first games where Everton was facing – you know, a, a tougher opponent. We we've had a really lucky, you know, first half of the season, not half, but beginning of the season with a lot of uh, easier matches. So this was one of the first ones where it's like, okay, well, this is where it gets tough and where we could definitely lose points. And the fact that we get that point out of this game was just amazing. I was gonna say, to your credit, you're still sitting in sixth ahead of Man United, um, and you know, just beneath Chelsea, one point behind Chelsea. You're only four points away from. Uh, the number one spot, uh, which is Man City and Arsenal right now. So, yeah, we had talked about how, you know, you had this this run of games coming up and it was going to be really nice. And I think that was like three or four games ago. So, mm-hmm. yeah, good point. Um, Everton, get to see, you know, if you guys can continue this against Burnley next week. And feel uh, much more confident about that game than I did about <laughs> this one. City, uh, you know, Kevin, to your point about the pressure, City are going to go face Barcelona and the Champions League this week before returning to league action next week against Southampton. So that'll be one game that's going to be extremely hyped as well. Pep's return to Barcelona with City. 
uh, to see how they fare. So, um, so that I think does it for that game. Let's talk a little bit about the red versus red, which was really red versus blue, which was sort of weird to see weird. Yeah. me and you in all blue. But uh, this was one of the uh, the more hyped games um, of the of the weekend: Liverpool versus Man U because of their their history one thing i didn't know coming into this was they are like heated heated rivals i never would have thought that it was man u and liverpool i would have thought you know it was like man u and man city um but no you guys have a history kevin you're nodding like like there's some storied past yeah here well you i mean want to they divulge to everybody there you could do you could write a dissertation on like the history between united and liverpool i mean like briefly um it it was Liverpool was dominant in the 70s and 80s. Um, Ferguson came in and said, you know, I wanted to knock Liverpool off their perch. Um, Sunes came in as a Liverpool manager. Things got bad at Liverpool. United come up and, um, you know, we, we have 18 league titles. They have 20. I mean, we're the most successful clubs in England. We're only 35 miles away from each other. And you have cultural differences between Manchester and Liverpool as a city, and it's it runs deep, and you know it's it's a really kind of fascinating uh, rivalry. But I, I think for a lot of people, this is still the biggest game in England. Um, but yeah, I mean, it certainly is for Liverpool fans. So let's do this. the The game ended in a nil nil draw. Um, I think that Man U are very happy to get the point. Um, Kevin, give us your take from a Liverpool fan perspective. And then what we will do is uh, we'll bring on Willie, Willie Hunt, and we'll get the Man United perspective. So we'll, we'll play the two different sides of the coin. So you go first, and then we'll, we'll tee up Willie. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's weird because given how Liverpool performed, I think it's probably fair to say that a point is good for both teams. I think before the game, Liverpool would have wanted three points. And I think if you would have offered a, a, a point to United, I think they would have been happy with that. Um, but given how we played, yeah, I mean, it's it, it was important for us not to lose this game in, in the context of how it kind of unfolded. Um, I, I thought just individually, I thought Sean looked really poor, especially in the first half. Uh, I, I thought this was a game that was going to be perfect for Lalana. It's kind of sad that he didn't get to start. Um, but... Uh, as soon as he got in, he looked amazing. Yeah. Like, the team had a jump in their step as soon as he got put in. It, it was a game where you needed to have a bit more bravery and calmness when you were on the ball in the middle of the pitch. And it seemed like everyone was just a bit too jumpy when, when they got on the ball in the middle and they had to quickly get rid of it and, and do something. Lalan is very good at kind of calming it down and making some space for himself. Um, yeah, I mean... Well, I think I think part of that, just to you know interrupt you, is mm-hmm. you look at just the size difference. Not that they were bullied, but Coutinho was, like, coming up to Man U's, like, stomach. Like, every time he touched the ball, there were three guys on top of him, and you would actually lose sight of him because he was so small. I mean, physically, I can't remember how many penalties um, Man U ended up taking, but they were trying to boss the game physically, and I think that had everybody in Liverpool a little bit on their toes, a little bit shaky, especially in the middle of the field. Yeah, I mean, that was definitely a tactic, you know, that that I think United came out with. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I mean, so... I was going to say... Okay, yeah, yeah. So, um... (laughs) Sorry, I was thinking about... Yeah, no... So, one one interesting thing that I found, like, post-match or whatever, I was was a bit surprised by this. Uh, United had, apparently, um, 35% possession in this game, which is, like, apparently, the lowest, like, in their history, period. 
Like they've never had lower yeah. possession than than they had in this game. And I thought it was really interesting. Mourinho was kind of asked about that in, in the immediate post match interview. And he was like, "Yeah, like we like we kind of expected that. Like we not no one wants thirty five percent of the possession, but he kind of broke it down tactically, and I was pretty impressed by it. He said, like you know, they knew that as soon as um, their center backs go to play it to their kind of two central defensive holding midfielders, then it, immediately as that ball gets played, that's right where we press, and that's right where we want them to be. And then so we're gonna we're gonna put pressure on them and all that kind of stuff." And so they just very openly admitted we weren't going to kind of fall into that trap. And so by not doing that, you, you're going to have to succeed a bit of possession. And so, yeah, I mean, you know, they, they were – it was a Mourinho result. They were very, very strong <laughs> defensively um, and it uh, made it hard for us to find space. De Gea comes up with two brilliant saves to keep them in the game. I thought other than that – United didn't really have a lot of chances to win this. Um, so, you know, it, 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 it's weird. Now, looking back on it, it, it feels frustrating that we didn't get three points. But giving st- taking a step back, looking at a broader context, United are a good side with a very good manager. You know, we get a point against them. And I think that's now, what, 17 points in eight games, going at a rate better of two points per game. We're still two points behind first and so it's it's not the best it's frustrating mixed emotions but you know it, it's it's not gonna kick us off of our uh, off of our momentum and our form i think at the moment kev one thing that you've done so far this season and i haven't fully understand it i don't know if it's blind hype or what it is but you've been a big fan of sterling um basically saying he's this world-class striker and Maybe that's from previous seasons and just sort Sturridge? of you knowing Sturridge. What did I say? Did I say Sterling. Sterling? I'm sorry. I yeah. was like, yeah, he went to yeah. the city for a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Sturridge. <laughs> um, yeah, anyway, Sturridge. Um, I honestly haven't seen it, and it seemed like, especially in this game, he wasn't getting the ball further up the pitch, so he was dropping a lot further back. He seemed to get frustrated, and as soon as they pulled him out and put Lalana in, it was a completely different team is this a better team without him in the lineup it's weird i mean because yeah he in in the past i mean by the numbers and by the kind of goals he's scored historically he's up there in the conversations with, with one of the best strikers liverpool's ever had and so it's weird to think of him as not being in the starting 11 because of just what he's done in the past and uh no i mean yeah i it's it was it was to me it was more obvious this game than it has been in previous games that for whatever reason it doesn't work I, I i'm not saying it can't work i'm just saying right now for whatever reason it's not working i think maybe Sturridge might flourish more in the games like the burnley aways or or, or, or things like this where Sturridge can kind of create a goal out of nothing whereas the goals that we score especially in these big games they don't really come out of nothing. Right? I mean, they're they're kind of well-worked team goals with fluid movement and all this other stuff, whereas Sturridge can kind of just pick up the ball 20 yards out, make a yard of space for him, and blam it in the top corner. That's not really the kind of goals that we've seen Liverpool score. And so I, I think in, in games where it's, you know, it's frustrating for us, we can't find a way through, Sturridge might be 
might be the answer for that. And I know that's a bit counterintuitive from what I'm saying in the context of the United game because they sat deep, they were very defensive, and they had 35% possession of the ball. But I, I don't know. It Sturge is a bit of an enigma because I think a lot of us still love uh, love him. And um, but it's yeah, it's just it's not working for him right now in this season. And I don't really have a clear answer why. So let's get the perspective from a Man U fan. Welcome to the show, your Pittsburgh Riverhounds MVP, Mr. Willie <laughs> Hunt. Willie, welcome to the show. Hey guys, how's it going? Thanks for having me. <laughs> Absolutely, man. We got to say, you took time out of your personal vacation to come on the show and talk Man U. That shows the dedication. The true that, MVP right That there, you have yeah. for this team. <laughs> <laughs> um, nice. Yeah. Anytime you guys need me, I'm here. But, uh, yeah, we've, we absolutely have to congratulate you for being the MVP. Um, you know, I said we weren't going to talk a lot of hounds. We won't talk a lot of hounds. We want to talk about Man U with you because we know you're a diehard fan. But, uh, you know, we'd be remiss if we didn't at least congratulate you. I saw that you uh, tweeted out a picture of the award on top of some scarves today, which was awesome. Um, so kudos, man. You, you definitely deserved it. You were, you know, by far one of the hardest working players out there all year. We were talking about you all season. Um, you know, couldn't be happier that you were on this team. Regardless of how the team played out, we were happy to have players like you on the team to point to and say, you know, that guy is representing our city. So thanks again, Willie. Yeah, no, it means a lot. Um, definitely coming from the fans uh, as a vote means a lot. Um, you know, honored to, to have that award. Yeah. So let's talk about some United. Um, as a fan, you know, from your perspective, we've talked a little bit about Man U on the show, um, yep. but you know, Kevin's a Liverpool fan. Josh is Everton. I don't really Ooh. have a team. Yeah. I was going to say, well, we crossed the line now. So before we started talking about this game, I love it. But now, now we're let's, now let's it's war. It. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, so who have been the standout players in your mind so far this year for for Man United? Yeah, I mean, I think it's been a tough start. Obviously, with Mourinho coming in, bringing in. You know, a lot of new players, especially down the spine, bringing in Pogba, Ibrahimovic, you know, Bailly or Bailey, however, however you want to pronounce it. Um, I think him, especially as a center back, maybe it's just me watching him more than, than most. But coming in from Villarreal, he's done he's done a real good job, especially with Smalling missing the first few games. He's been solid back there playing every game, I think every minute of every game so far. You have a very obviously unique perspective as a professional player yourself. Are there any little things that you sort of look out for or, or you sort of relate to when you see players do certain things that casual fans may miss? Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure like things that we get, you know, quote unquote hounded for over, over the years. <laughs> Good. Uh, <job>. <laughs> little <laughs> things that you're like, oh, OK, you know, maybe these guys do it. Maybe maybe the coach was right about that one. so what uh you know talking about the the game against liverpool in your mind positive negative you know it was a nil nil draw as a as a as a man U fan what do you take away from this game um positive i would say i mean Mourinho is known for you know his defensive tactics i think uh zero zero away from uh our zero zero away at liverpool where they're the, I think the highest scoring team right now, or one of the highest scoring teams, you know, a point away right there is, is not a bad result. Yeah, I mean, like speaking as a Liverpool fan, I you mentioned there with the highest scoring away. I mean, you know, we've also had our, I don't think we've played a single game 
this year without letting a goal in. So I was completely not expecting a nil-nil draw. No. And uh, it, it turned out to be that way. It was, even though it, from maybe from the um, non-Liverpool Manchester fan, it might have been maybe a bit stale without any goals. But like I was on a knife edge the entire game. I was, it was very intense for me. No, I think, yeah, Mourinho came out with more of a defensive lineup with Fellaini in there. And I was kind of uh, backwards of what everybody was predicting. I think I looked at the the betting lines earlier. The over-under was three goals, which is pretty high for a soccer game. And uh, people were expecting, you know, a high-flying goal match. Willie, I I wanted to ask you specifically about, um, I don't know, it it seemed like I, I think a lot of Liverpool fans kind of expected Mourinho to come out like we were kind of all expecting a big tackle within the first 90 seconds from United and it kind of comes from from Rashford but the entire game was it I don't know I I think at least for me you know we talked a bit about your kind of professional eye of the game for me I I can kind of lose it sometimes Were, were United being very kind of tactical with with how tight they would get to Liverpool players. You know, they're coming through their back, giving up a lot of small files, breaking up the game here and there. Was that the case, or, or was I just kind of seeing things? <laughs> um, No, I mean, I kind of liked how they came out, honestly. Uh, yeah. They came out probably opposite of how people would have thought. You know, you would think away at Liverpool, big crowd, maybe sit in for a little bit and kind of weather the storm. But they came out, and they pressed really high and really hard. And if you could see, you know, in the first 10 minutes, it was tough for Liverpool to even get in the attacking third, you know, there's pressure coming everywhere. That tackle with Rashford on, um, who was it? Is it Milner? Milner, yeah. yeah. Milner over there. Kind of, you know, kind of set the tone. Like, you know, they were trying to play out, play, you know, this nice, nice style of football, and you know, tackle there kind of broke up everything. I, I liked how they came out, honestly, away you, from home. And, and Mike or Josh, just interrupt me anytime. I figure I'm. <laughs> I, I, want to, <laughs> I just have so many questions about this game. That I wanted to talk, uh, talk to talk to Willie about. Um, I I think a lot of another thing that I've I've been hearing in the post match of the game is a lot of people were saying like Ibrahimovic really should have scored if he would have. It would have been uh, you know a United win. Do you, do you think it was? one point gained or kind of, you know, two points dropped or, or you know, from that perspective. Was that a clear-cut chance for Ibrahimovic, do you think? You're talking about the header? Yeah. Or, no, that's not, I mean, that's a tough. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, I was like, <laughs> I, I don't know. It, it, were there, I can't really recall. I missed, I missed the first, like, 15 minutes of the second half. No, were there, there any other no big cut chances that? for us? Honestly, like, a point away right there will take. I think, you know, you could see at the end with about, 10 to 8 minutes left we're just kind of like alright let's get this point let's yeah. move on I, I love how you're not sugarcoating it at all like everyone else is like no 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 we totally could have won this game and you're like nope <laughs> no that header no way we'll take it <laughs> yeah we'll no, take it. I mean they had plenty you know the Coutinho's uh, strike from distance where De Gea made a good save and then somebody had a chance earlier in the first half uh, I think it was Allen kind of like a left footed shot inside the box where De Gea was quick to get down, you know, behind yeah. traffic and save that as well. So, I mean, they, they had some of the pressure, especially late and, you know, point away at Liverpool uh, is not bad for me. It's funny. Uh, they were quoting, I think it was Mourinho before the game. They were saying, uh, he, he said this, he's like attackers or strikers love to win, but defenders hate to lose, you know? So as a defender, you're like, all right, we didn't lose. It's a point away. I think that's a good, <laughs> good result yeah. away at Liverpool. Yeah. Yeah. Mike, um, I, oh, go yeah, ahead. Actually, sure. I had a question. So, 
with this result and like just the the season that Manu's been having, where do you think this team can go this season? Like, what are you expecting from Manu? Um, that's that's tough. I mean, we're what seventh now, I think. Yeah. Um, moving forward, yeah. you know, with a brand new coach and a brand new spine of the team, you know, straight from the center back all the way to the striker, I think there's high expectations, but. You have to be realistic that it's obviously Klopp had, you know, most of last year to get his influence on his players, get a couple more that he wanted and move that into this year. So um, I think a top four is not far fetchable with with the uh, talent that we have, but uh, maybe might not get that this year because there's a lot of good teams in, in the Prem. Let's let's look not not even so far as the end of the season. Let's just look next week. Mourinho goes back to Chelsea where he was last year. How does that game end up? Uh, W for United. <laughs> is it is it at Chelsea? That I don't know. Let me see. Either way, uh, yeah, you, you you tip United to be the favorite. It for is that. at Chelsea, yes. Yeah. I, I just, yeah. You just always have that when you play against your former club or former somebody who maybe you have a little grudge against. You'd always be uh, well, doing, but, the, doing the extra mile. The the top four question is a pretty interesting one. I mean, it, because if you think about, I mean, so one of Chelsea, City, Liverpool, United, Arsenal, Tottenham, Everton. Uh, Go ahead, yeah. Everton. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Josh is an Everton fan. Um, well, one, one of these teams, there more than one. Someone's not going to make the top four. I mean, it, someone significant is not going to be in the top four this year. And yep. everyone but one of those teams isn't going, isn't going to win the league. I mean, so it's a really weird season in that sense. I think a lot of people need, a, a, a lot of fans, me included as a Liverpool fan, maybe need to be down more for the journey rather than the kind of short-term singular result at the end of the season. Because it, it's, I can't really remember in recent memory how tight a league has been more, more, so, than, more so than this one this season. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think, you know, you start the season, everybody's like, all right, we want to win the league. And then you go on and you get your positioning, you know, mid-season, you're like, all right, we want to qualify for Champions League. And then you go you go down, you go down, you go down. So yeah. it'll be interesting, <laughs> I think. Willie, put on your, uh, your, your Mourinho hat. If you could change <laughs> one or two things about this team, what would they be? What, what do you think the weaknesses are right now? Ooh, uh, I just think cohesiveness. Honestly, I could, that's when that's what's going to take time, any, as any new team, especially with that much money being pumped in on, on these players coming in, where you're going to play them regardless. So you got to kind of get as much you know gelling and cohesiveness as you can, and you can only do that through games, which is which is the tough thing. You know, Pogba came in right before the first game. Ibra, you know, Bai, everybody. So it'll be tough, but hopefully, you know, it'll be all right. It- Willie, another Mourinho question. Um, I, I think what Mourinho's kind of history, maybe barring his early history at like Porto or something, um, but it, it's been generally a three-year project, then he kind of moves on. But he's kind of ticked all the boxes for the majority of the other club. I mean, he's, he's had a big club in Spain and, um, and, and all this kind of coast at Chelsea, won everything essentially. Do you can you are you a comfortable with the idea and B do you think Mourinho is going to be at United for more than three years? Do you, do you think this is more of a long term project and would you be happy with that? Uh, yeah, I would be happy with that. I mean, Mourinho obviously, at what he is, he's a proven winner. Yeah. I mean, he's won wherever he goes. 
you know, I think he had a falling out in Chelsea, but he is a proven winner wherever he goes, which is, you know, a hard thing to find these days. You know, I think when we hired him, there was a lot of people, including myself, that were, you know, real happy with that hiring. Yeah. So let's uh, let's shift gears just a little bit for Man U, uh, and we have to talk about your fantasy team, which you were near <laughs> the top of the table in our league numerous times. You're still near the top. You were number one for a while. Do you have any secrets in terms of how you go about building your team, or are you still paying attention, or are we just like playing, you know, an <laughs> auto pick team? No, I mean you will be you will be playing somebody that pays attention every week for the rest of the year. Nice. When I heard that you guys were doing nice. a league, I was like, I'm in. I've been doing this since <laughs> college with a bunch of my roommates, and we put a little money on it. And then my friends back home, we put a little money on the league, and you know, it, it's real competitive. The only thing is, this is the first time I've ever done a head-to-head league. Mm-hmm. So most of the leagues I've ever done in the last five years are all the cumulative scores. So it's different, different strategies. So I'm in those leagues um, with with those guys, and then I'm in this league, the Mongols league. So it's different strategies to change in players and change out. You know, I'm, I mean, I'm not I'm not going to say anything, but I'm the leading scorer. But I, <laughs> <laughs> I was about ready to bring that up. You, I'm the highest scorer, but I'm in fifth place. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> You had some tough matches early on. Uh, maybe you'll get some easy ones in a row. <laughs> yep. As yeah, we said, I tough one. I, Nick Nick Delaric, I got to call him out. He uh, he beat me last week by a couple points on like a last the the last game of the week. But um, yeah, I'm still learning the whole head to head thing. It's different different kind of strategy than than the normal one. But I'll figure it out. So you've you've been playing for a while now. Um, we had yep. Brandon from the Always Cheating podcast on last week, and he was talking about <laughs> the long haul. Do you have any tips for when you sort of hit that wall midseason that keeps you invested and keeps you adding players and trying to build out your roster, or do you just have that mentality of just I'm just going to plow through and keep doing it? Right. Uh, I have a I don't know. I have the strategy. I think when I start out, my first team that I pick. You know, you go off like the beginning of the season schedule, like first six games or so. You try to pick like a spine, like you do if you were coaching a team. You get a good, cheap, reasonable keeper. Um, I try to get one really good defender, one really good midfielder, one really good striker. So for me, I went with Schmeichel, uh, Shaw. I'm not happy he's not playing, by the way. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, Sanchez and Aguero. And then I kind of fill in the places from there. And for me, I've always, I'm just, I'm a diehard fantasy Aguero guy I will always have Aguero in my lineup he's capable of putting up like five or six goals a game anytime anywhere so I don't, and then also going in it's about time for me to use my wild card but I uh, try to hold out on that as long as you can for your first one because you always have that second one later later on yeah, I burned mine in like week three, so that ship is sailed. Yeah. <laughs> I burned mine two weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've been there. So this has been great. You know, Willie, anytime you want to come on and talk, man, you or hounds or whatever, man, you are welcome on the show. You just let us know, um, and we will obviously reach out and get you back on on our own. Um, but uh, we appreciate you coming out. You know, joining us while you're on your vacation. Go, you know, go go fishing. Have fun with your family and uh, enjoy your time off. Um, like we said, you know, after the season you put in with the Hounds, it's much deserved. So thanks again for coming on, man. And, thanks, uh, Willie. We'll talk to you very soon. All right, so let's do a little bit of rapid fire. Let's get the rest of these games off the docket. Uh, Chelsea versus Leicester. So the Blues win. Uh, basically, they get three goals over the Foxes. Diego Costa scored just seven minutes into the game to become the league leader with seven goals in eight games. 
This loss drops Leicester, uh, last year's champs, to 13th spot in the table, two points out of the relegation zone. Not great. Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> um let's talk about Bournemouth versus hall uh holy goals batman that was <laughs> awesome <laughs> six to one uh Bermuth. uh hall now sits in 16th place and they have the biggest negative goal differential at negative 12 ouch <laughs> jumping jumping to stoke versus sunderland batham at the bottom of the table as sunderland travel to stoke the Welsh Javi, a.k.a. Joe Allen, scored twice <laughs> to lead Stoke to the first victory of the season with a 2-0 win, while Sunderland remains winless after eight games. West Brom versus Spurs. Now, I'm not going to lie here for a second, Kevin. You mentioned that as soon as my Spurs jersey came in that I'd start to drift to that side. It's happening. I'm starting to it's drift happening. to that side. Yeah, I'm not there can't yet. Help it. Allegiance I'm not there the yet. Shirt. Yeah, it's it's getting there. Anyway, this was the Ben Foster show. Thank you, Ben, for being on my fantasy team. West Brom, the West Brom keeper kept Spurs off the board until really late. Spurs dominated this game. They just couldn't break through the keeper. Um, West Brom actually went up first in the 82nd minute. Deli Alley came back, got one for Spurs in the 89th minute to get the result, keep them in the hunt for the top spot in the league. Spurs keep their unbeaten streak alive. Um, so they haven't lost yet this season, but they did lose Toby Alderweld uh, to an injury in the second half. Early reports out that it's just nerve damage, and he may be able to come back sooner rather than later. But uh, they actually head to Bayer Leverkusen in the Champions League action on Tuesday, and then they get Bournemouth next week in league action. All right, uh, Crystal Palace versus West Ham. Despite going a man down, West Ham were able to pull off a 1-0 victory. Uh, and... Other than that, not much to report on this game. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, look, looking at Middlesbrough versus Watford. Uh, Middlesbrough lucky, lucky not to be down to 10 men, really, in the first half uh, as both sides struggle to create chances. Uh, Watford score out of nowhere, really, and win by one goal in a game that was otherwise destined to finish 0-0. Uh, Watford currently sit at 10th as Middlesbrough sit above the relegation zone on goal difference at 17th. And last but not least, well, maybe at least, Southampton versus Burnley. <laughs> Southampton came away with a 3-1 win to climb to eighth in the table. Again, that sneaky climbing up the table, Southampton. Two <laughs> goals from Charlie Austin, although he really should have had three. Um, and early fantasy star Nathan Redman, he got kicked out when I used my wild card, added the third goal for Southampton. Our buddy Brandon from the Always Jing podcast should be thrilled since it was Sam Vokes who got the lone goal for Burnley who head off to face Everton next week. So going down. <laughs> so that's your wrap up from around the league. Let's talk just a little bit fantasy. You know, Willie talked about how his team is racking up the points, even though uh, I believe they're current. He is currently in. Where is he? Eighth. Like, wow. Yeah. He dropped drastically. Um, but yes, he is leading the league in points. Who's um, in first? Who's in first? Um, Josh Brokaw. Okay, cool. Yeah, I, yeah, I was just asking. I wasn't sure who was in first. Yes, yep. you, uh, you were tied for first with uh, Matthew Grubba of the Trib, um, but you're beating him on points. Yes. So um, this week, it looks like I am going to officially lose to Mauricio Vargas by one point, which hurts oh so much. Ooh, one point. One point. Well, the the part that really hurts is that i added an additional transfer so i actually lost like four points because oh, of that yeah 
And then you couple that with uh, Aguero getting me a negative, negative one two. Points. Yeah. Well, I captained them, so it was a negative two because uh, he missed his oh. PK. Yeah. Is that like a? That doesn't seem right to me. It I does understand not seem getting right. double no. the points, but I don't think you should get double the negative points. No. Yeah. I think it's. I fair. agree. I think uh, you, yeah. the <laughs> risk you take. It's the risk you take. <laughs> Kevin, you didn't beat the average this week. You had thirty-five. The average was thirty-nine. So he was trying to be quiet. He's like, yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Literally, I think like the only player that got me any points was Costa and I made him my captain so that was the only reason I even got into the 30s I, I refused to look at <laughs> Premier League I, I knew it was going to be bad and so I just I'm not looking to be fair Average is in 7th place in our league so <laughs> yeah, Average is not doing too bad here and I will say, you know, Willie was talking about how he has the most points. Our buddy John Battersby uh, played the whooping on him this week, yeah. 59 to 31. I do have to mention John Battersby. Um, you know, he came on the show to talk about the Tartan Devils. The Tartan Devils won their U.S. Open Cup match the other day. So they are moving on to the next round. That's Congrats awesome, to man. those guys. That is fantastic. I think they're only a game or two away from potentially playing the Riverhounds at Highmark Stadium. Um, if you want to see a full write-up, our buddy John Krasinski over the Pittsburgh Soccer Report did a full write-up. He was there doing play-by-play, and he actually got some footage uh, after the game. He did some interviews um, to get some reactions and things like that. So really cool stuff. Congrats to the Tartan Devils. Uh, that's fantastic. It's great to so see cool. Yeah, amateur soccer taking off here, too. So really cool stuff. Um, I'm looking at uh, you know next week's schedule in terms of fantasy. Looking for some interesting matchups. Willie Hunt will get Matthew Grubba, who we mentioned is near the top of the table. Josh, you get to take on the average, so we'll see how you. Uh, it's gonna be a tough match. Uh, how you the average is pretty good there. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and it looks like Richard Nightingale, who uh, we're still in touch with, he has not gone away. Do not worry, is taking on Loaf. Um, you know our our resident Liverpool fan, Liverpool. aside from Kevin. So, um, so yeah. That's that's sort of the fantasy wrap up for right now. Um, anything else that uh, you guys wanted to talk about as it relates to week eight, league or fantasy? Not, not in particular. Lots of, that's all I got. Lots of shaking heads. Don't forget to go follow Mongols wherever you guys get podcasts: iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Subscribe, you'll automatically get new shows delivered directly to your. Um, not really your inbox, although you can subscribe via email too from our website. So go check that out. <laughs> Hit us up on Twitter at Mongols on Facebook backslash mongols i think that's it let's bring on week nine we will talk to you all very very soon cheers later